You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets, free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. On the show today, we have a Mets series victory to discuss. They beat the Phillies by taking each of the first two games and Always begins with good starting pitching. Carlos Carrasco is great, and Mark Hanna had a big day in the first segment. I'll recap the game. Second segment, I want to go through the improvements we've seen from Carrasco and how it solidified this rotation, and moving forward, how that bodes very well for the Mets, that they maybe have a five-man group that they could trust right now. Then in the final segment, I want to look at Canna and Tommy Pham, their play as of late, and who should be the starting left fielder moving forward. Before we get to any of that, though, I'm your host, Ryan Ficklestein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter, Ficklestein Ryan. You can also find some of my writing at JustBaseball.com, where I work as the managing editor. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code LOCKDOWNMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. And the Mets were able to win their series against the Phillies thanks to good starting pitching. We're going to go and open things up there because... This season, when the Mets have gotten six innings from their starters, they're 15-0. That's a pretty good recipe for success. The Mets have only won 29 games this year. So you look at that breakdown, 15 of those wins have come when you got a good start. So as much as the offense is probably discussed a little bit more because you're always looking at a Mark Vantos not in the lineup, and you see Daniel Vogel back, and he gets walks. Um, tonight, those walks worked out, but at times you're wondering about, you know, is he giving you enough from a DH? And there's all of these conversations that can be had day in, day out with an evolving lineup. But the heart of everything, I have continued to harp on the fact that the Mets struggles always started and really ended with the rotation. And if you got a competent rotation, you were going places because last year, the reason why the Mets won 101 games as much as it was due to the great seasons from Pete Alonzo and Francisco Lindor and Jeff McNeil and Brandon Nimmo and Starling Marte. If it wasn't for Chris Bassett having a great year, Carlos Carrasco having a really solid season, Taiwan Walker having a great year. Uh, when you got Scherzer and DeGrom, they were both elite in the regular season. If it wasn't for all those things. You wouldn't have won 101 games. And, What's going to put the Mets back in position to contend for this division is getting that level of starting pitching. And when you see Kodai Senga look like a frontline guy, and then Carlos Carrasco follows up what was already a really good start his last time out with six strong innings again, there's the recipe you're looking for moving forward. And for Carrasco, all he allowed was a home run to Edmundo Sosa. That was the only damage that he really suffered in this game. Six innings pitch. Six hits allowed, one walk, four strikeouts. He looked really solid. And, you know, there was never really an inning where things seemed to be spiraling on him, where he was, uh, you know, not in command. It seemed like he really had 
kind of his his you know, finger on the pulse of the game the entire time. And I think that's something with Carrasco um, that's been pretty evident throughout his tenure with the Mets. I mean, 2021, he just never had it. But when we saw him last year, you pretty much knew in the first couple innings if it was going to be a good Carrasco start or a bad one. And I'm sure that's still going to be the case this year. He might go out next time and walk a couple guys in the first inning and there might be a bases loaded jam and you might be thinking, oh, this is going to go sideways, and it probably will. Like his first start coming off rehab where he, uh, or, or off the, the injured list where he gave up those runs early against the Guardians, but then found a way to solidify himself, but you know the damage was done. When Cookie looks like he did today, and he's you know maybe giving up a hit in an inning, but he's working around it. You know, First inning, it's a hit to Bryce Harper. It's going to happen a lot. Harper's a great hitter but he worked around it. Gives up a double to Brandon Marsh in the second inning, but again, works around that. The home run to Sosa, then gives up a hit to Bryson Stott, but gets some ground balls, gets a strikeout on Harper, finds his way through that inning, no problem. Fourth inning, one, two, three. Fifth inning, gets a double play to retire the side in order. And then the sixth inning, he did have that one instance where I think there was a little bit of doubt from, from the Mets. You know, could he maybe lose it in this game? He, he gave up the hit to Harper. He walked Kyle Schwarber and, you know, put two runners on base, but he got the big out he needed to get out of the inning. And the Mets, you know, clinging to the lead that they had, they decided, you know what, we're turning this over to the bullpen. They went to Rayleigh. Uh, they went to Adovino and, and Robertson, and, and they shut the door and they made sure they got the series. And, and that's something that we've seen Buck Showalter do in the past. Could they have? maybe push Carrasco for a seventh inning, potentially, but they didn't need to. They had a game in hand and they made sure of it. So I, I was really happy with the pitching in this game. And then obviously we can't talk about a game where Mark Canna drove in every single run without mentioning what he did in this one. And look, the Mets were going up against a tough pitcher in Aaron Nola, who has been really suffering for some bad luck this year. Uh, you look at, the innings he's eaten and, and the way he's pitched and the, the four seven Oh ERA he's, he's dealing with right now. And it's, it, it's been a rough go for him. Uh, you know, Mets only had five hits in this game, but you know, you got the right hits and from Mark Canna, the timely hits that you needed last year. Sometimes we saw that from the Mets. It was just getting the hit at the right time. And after Carrasco gives up a run in that third inning, bottom of the third, the Mets grab a lead. Daniel Vogelbach gets a walk. Was it on four pitches? It was on four pitches. It's funny because it's all about his eye. Um, and in that at bat, it's just they threw him nothing to hit. Um, and then Mark Hanna comes up and hits his fourth home run of the season. And it was huge for him. Uh, you know, he got, you know, kind of a hanging cutter uh, that was, you know, center cut, you know, up in the zone and put a good swing on it. And he drove it out of the ballpark. And I think Canna really needed that. Um, really needed this game. It, it hopefully is a turning point for him. I'd like to see him get back out there uh, to close out this series, um, start this final game, and see if he can build some momentum off of it. Uh, but you know that was really a, a big moment for him to get that homer, and, and then I think it carried over to his next at bat in the following inning, where the Mets had a rally. Pete Alonso got a hit. Brett Beatty drew a walk. Um, you know McNeil had led things off with the flyout. Sterling Marte. Ends up striking out, so it's a two-out situation with two runners on, and none other than Daniel Vogelback again drawing a walk. Um, that one was 
four pitch walk again. Uh, so Nola, for whatever reason, did not want to attack Vogelback, and he kept the bat on his shoulder and was able to, to get on base. And then Mark Canna, once again, uh, for whatever reason, Nola would rather face the guy that he gave up a home run to than Vogelback, and the Mets will take that one. Uh, you know, he fell behind 0-2 in that count, uh, spit on a pitch that you know Nola was trying to get him to chase, and then uh, an elevated sinker up in the zone. Uh, he gets on top of it and, and punches it into the outfield, and two runs come across, and he smacks his own ass as he has been known to do now and has a four RBI day. So big, big uh, outing for Canna to, to be able to, to put up um, all those runs and to, to you know go home feeling good about himself. Kind of shocking to see that the OPS is at 710 on the season. It's actually a little better. Um, that I actually thought. And in the final segment today, what I want to do is really explore the numbers behind Canna and Fam this year um, and who should be getting the playing time moving forward because it feels like they're in kind of a dead split right now. And I don't know if that's necessarily great for either of them. So I want to go through all that. But I also, in the next segment here, want to discuss this starting rotation because, again, the biggest takeaway is Carlos Carrasco looks good. And that is a massive thing for this team moving forward. So we're going to get to that in just a minute. Before we do, though, today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Have you ever been in the situation where you're stressed out trying to find tickets to the game and you just decide to bag it because you just can't find a deal that works for you? Game Time is there to change that. It's a fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you with killer deals and last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee so you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hype for all the fun you're going to have at the game. The game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time is going to credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. One of them is that it's really easy and you get images of your seats before you buy. So you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. You buy tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps, you're all set, and then the tickets are sent directly to your phone, so you never have to go digging through your email. Snag tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use the code Locked On MLB for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem the code Locked On MLB for twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. start tonight by Carlos Carrasco one of the interesting things I saw the velocity was up he touched 95 and he averaged 93.5 miles per hour on this season that was 1.8 miles per hour up on what he's thrown and you look at since he came off the IL the velocity has been up across all of his pitches but it's been marginal and this start it was pretty significant in, in you know comparison to, to the last few you saw the fastball up. Everything was at least a mile per hour faster, and it was as much as 2.1 miles per hour faster on all of his pitches. So I think that's a sign that Carlos Carrasco feels really good right now. And when he's feeling good and his changeup is as effective as it was tonight and as it was in his last start where he can get weak contact with it, where he can just make it tough for batters to square that pitch up and he can – 
it'll work off the fastball, of course, but you know, the fastball and the changeup, he's really effective. And his last two starts, 12 and a third, allowed one run on each outing, a 174 ERA. He's cut his ERA in the season from 868 all the way down to 574. And if you get that guy, the Mets are in a great position this season because you know, I spent all of yesterday's show on Kodai Sanga. I actually followed it up with even more digging um, on Sanga this year. And I wrote up an article for just baseball.com that you can find if you go to my Twitter at Finkelstein Ryan or just go to the site. You, you can find the article I wrote that has some graphic visual, visualizations, some highlights and everything that really does kind of illustrate what I was discussing on the show as well. Just how Sanga has this ghost fork pitch, which honestly, by you know, essentially sorting the field by starting pitchers, uh, you know, looking at plate appearances of at least 50 for a pitch. Sang has the best strikeout weapon of any starting pitcher in baseball right now. So if he can utilize that properly, like we just saw, and he can attack the zone more consistently with the ghost fork, going more cutter fastball. Um, instead of you know mixing that sweeper in a little over 10% of the time, a pitch that's been hit really hard. If he can focus more on that three-pitch mix, mix, and I will say looking at um, the pitch designations, some of those cutters changed into sliders today, whatever you want to call it, uh, you know the sweeper, not a good pitch for him. The cutter slider, the fastball, the changeup, all really good pitches for him. If he has that moving forward, suddenly Sanga could be a frontline guy or at least a really damn good number three. You hope that Scherzer and Verlander pitch in the back of the baseball cards. And we're going to see Scherzer. Sure. I said that weird Scherzer get a chance to complete a sweep um, at 110 Eastern time today. By the way, if you want to check out the Mets hometown broadcast. You can do that on Sirius XM with the SXM app. Just search Mets and watch or listen to Scherzer try to, lock this down and keep his own good run of success going. Suddenly a rotation is starting to form here that you trust. I really like Scherzer, Berlander, Senga, Carrasco with the way he's pitched the last two times. Tyler McGill is the one guy that I have a little bit of concerns with, yet he's been the most consistent um, starter this year, you know, to, to some extent, him and Senga, I would say. So I feel like the only question right now is, can Carrasco or McGill be a playoff four starter? But for the regular season, if they're just giving you a chance to win two out of every three times, even if that third starts bad, you take that from your back end guys and you can roll for a while. And the other thing is Jose Quintana is moving along with his rehab. Uh, he's set to face batters for the first time since that surgery in March, the rib surgery. Um, and that's going to be, of course, just you know, live batting practice, you know, facing Mets. Um, and then, you know, he could go on rehab, and I'm sure he'll have to make starts. He's going to have to ramp up, and you know, imagine that's going to take time, you know, like a spring training would. But you know, maybe you think about the All Star break, um, being able to get him back, potentially a little before it or after it, and that will give you a little window into what he looks like. And during that time, you're also going to be gauging what you have in David Peterson and, you know, in AAA. And of course, still seeing, you know, what you're getting from Carrasco and, and McGill potentially. And hopefully one of those guys kind of steps out to the forefront 
as a quality number four starter because I don't know what you're going to get in the trade market to fill that. So um, ideally, it's Quintana. But if Carrasco keeps pitching the way he has, I think there's every chance he's your four come playoff time. Um, I think that's okay because they're in a playoff situation. You know, if you're expecting Carrasco to get you four um, and get through a lineup twice, I think he has the capability to do that um, and do that well. So I really like how this rotation has started to round into form. Feel so much better about it than I did a month ago. Uh, and now moving forward, you just hope they can build up this consistency. But you go out, you finish this series uh, against the Phillies. You win one this weekend against the Blue Jays, and then you have a day off before you face the Braves, and you have a chance to maybe shock them and win a series. And again, you're in a really nice spot, uh, you know, moving forward if you can pull all that off. And I think the momentum's really going to be there. The Mets can win these three series, even if they drop this last one to the Phillies and then beat the Blue Jays, beat the, beat the Braves. You're in a good spot, but honestly. If I'm in that that clubhouse with the way the Phillies have showed up the last couple of days offensively, with Scherzer being on the hill, I'd want to put my foot on their throat and, and uh, you know get that sweep, send a message uh, that you still own them after you did last year, and uh, you know carry that momentum into the weekend. But who will be starting these games in left field? Mark Hanna or Tommy Pham? I want to discuss their play up to this point this season. We'll do that in a minute. But first, another word from our sponsors. At the start of this season, the Mets got pretty rough production from their left field position, whether it was Mark Canna or Tommy Pham. Uh, For Canna, he hit 224 uh, going through April. 310 on base, 365 slug, 675 OPS. Fam, 196 average, 283 on base, 348 slug, 631 OPS. So two guys with sub 700 OPSs. That's not great. We look at the last 30 days, which is essentially looking at the month of uh, May here. These guys have been pretty good. They've actually been two of the Mets' best hitters. Surprisingly enough, they each have a better OPS than Nemo during that span, than Lindor, Marte, Beatty, Jeff McNeil, Daniel Vogelback, who in the last 30 days hitting 157, 295 on base, 235 slug, a 530 OPS. These guys haven't really been the problem. And I know I did a podcast myself about how the Mets need to cut bait on Tommy Pham, and it's about having too many mouths to feed, right? I still believe that problem can be solved, but I start to look more towards Daniel Vogelback's direction because what I see from Tommy Pham and Mark Canna is two guys that can play the outfield, not particularly well, but we'll get to that, Um, that pretty good base runners that draw their walks, that have some pop, can leave the yard at times, that had the capabilities to have big games like the one we saw Fam have a couple days ago, the one we just saw Marcana have. These guys are capable um, and providing an impact. And across the last 30 days, there's 
three guys that have a better OPS than the two of them. It's Francisco Alvarez, Eduardo Escobar, Pete Alonso. Then you have Tommy Pham check in at 795 and Mark Canna at 760. Fam's hitting 256, Canna 266. Fam getting on base in their 353 clip. Canna 338, Fam 442 slug, Canna 422. I mean, that line from Fam in particular, 350 on base, nearly a 450 slug. It's actually pretty solid. So look at these two players, and I feel like they are both earning their spot in the roster, if nothing else. It's hard to say, yes, you got a DFA Tommy Fam, even though. I'll own that I said it as recently as a week ago because I was frustrated at the playing time. But again, the more I look at some of these things, the more I say, all right, let's say Nervais is ready to come back and you were to DFA Daniel Vogelback. You're to put Nervais on the roster and you go three catchers. And now Nervais is your left-handed bat off the bench and you give sort of free reign to Mark Vientos to have the DH spot, but also understanding that you can get fam in the lineup at DH at times. You can get can in the lineup at DH. You can put a, a Nimmo or a Marte there. You can use that DH spot to get Pete Alonso off his feet and put Mark Canna at first base or Mark Vientos at first base. You can do a lot of things with that position. Once you clear Vogelbacks at bats from this roster, because in this time where they've gotten decent production from fam and Canna Vogelback, has you know been eaten up at bats, you know, 21 games, 51 plate appearances. You were to or at bats, uh, and he has 10 walks, so that that is 61 plate appearances. You sprinkle that around to a Vientos and you know, potentially to these guys a little bit, or even just a Vientos, you're gonna get a better team. But this is more about fam and canna. And could you differentiate who should start between the two of them? And I went into this exercise wanting to say after a four RBI game that Mark Canna should be the starting left fielder for the Mets. But when I looked at the numbers, they sort of painted a different picture. So you look this year at Tommy Pham. His average exit velocity is 92.6 miles per hour. Mark Canna's is 88.1. Now last year, very similar. He hit the ball hard. Fam did. Cannon didn't necessarily, yet he put up the 127 weighted runs created plus. And again, that's a stat that measures hitters based on a league average of 100. Well, last year, he got on base at a great clip. Of course, he got hit by a million pitches, which helped. But you know, he was able to put up a really good season uh, by just giving you professional at-bats. And ultimately, I would say that he is better in that department. Yet, Tommy Pham has cut the strikeouts. Last year, he struck out at a near 27% clip. This year, it's at 20.8. Last year, he walked at a 9% clip. This year, it's over 13. That's 4% better than Mark Canna. Now, Canna's not striking out as much as Pham, but it's a marginal difference. It's 17.3 compared to 20.8 when Pham is walking more. But then you get into some of the stats that go beyond that barrel percentage who barrels up the baseball more Tommy Pham, 11.4% canna is at 4.9% the same number he put up last year go a little bit deeper batting average expected batting average right so you look at the expected batting average for 
I know, um, you know, Mark Canna this year, he's sitting at 235. For Tommy Pham, it's 278. So Tommy Pham has some underlying numbers, and I understand why they continue to roll him out there. That hitting the ball hard on the ground doesn't mean everything. And I don't look at all these numbers and get too blown away by it. But I do look at an expected slug of 487 with Tommy Pham compared to expected slug of 365 on Mark Canna. I look at the outs above average and see that Canna's minus three outs above average and left and Tommy Pham's minus two, even though I view Canna as the better outfielder. The numbers haven't really bore that out. The fact that Pham hits the ball hard 44.3% of the time compared to Canna at 38.2 this year. And it's hard to really pick one or the other, especially when over the last 30 days, it's Tommy Pham that's, you know, OPS and close to 800. So uh, I think the bottom line is these are two guys that are proving over this past month that they are MLB caliber players that should be rostered. And as much as I like the idea of a Tim LaCastro, I think I was calling for Cedrola, Luis Cedrola from AAA on that Cut Tommy Fam episode. It's hard for me to think that they'd give better at bats than these guys. Now you still get into that question of, you know, Buck Showalter and who they who's going to get the playing time. But ultimately, unless they decide to go the Ronnie Mauricio at second, Jeff McNeil in left field route, I don't necessarily know, you know, which would be the guy to cut. Um, and in that scenario, you probably do have to cut one. And it would still more likely be fam, I think, based on what Canada probably means to this team as a guy that was there last year. But I also can absolutely see the argument for keeping both and leading towards a more veteran bench. And, and I think it's it's more going to matter what happens at DH which is why I would clear Vogelback and clear a runway for Vientos to prove that he can you know, take that job. And if not, then maybe you go to Mauricio over Vientos and whether it's, you know, DHing or being creative with how you use that DH to get everyone their time. I think a lot of opportunities open up, but, but I keep coming back to the odd man out. The more I look at all of it, I think it's actually Daniel Vogelback. Um, and I think these guys for now should stay because again, over the past month, they've both been pretty solid MLB vets who are giving you quality at bats um, with the upside to win a game for you. Like Mark Canna did uh, on Wednesday night again, tomorrow, or today as you're listening to this, uh, Thursday, 1.10 Eastern time, Mets versus the Phillies to close out this series. If you want to catch every pitch, Mets hometown broadcast, you can do that with Sirius XM on the SXM app. Just search Mets for all you everydayers. I'll be back tomorrow recapping this series and previewing what lies ahead. The Mets are set to take on the Toronto Blue Jays and former friend Chris Bassett on Friday night. Make sure you follow, rate, and review where you get your podcast. Follow me on Twitter. Finkelstein Ryan and follow the show, Locked On Mets.